We're wrapping up our look at the New York Giants class of 2023 with Parker Ainsworth, host of Lockdown Cougs, who's going to tell us everything we need to know about safety, Gervarius Owens. That's coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a new edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trana, and a special shout out to all my everydayers who are back for another episode, and to those who are new to the Locked On Giants podcast, welcome on board. If you're new or if you're an everydayer, drop me a comment on the YouTube channel or send me an email, let me know so I can give you a shout out because it is appreciated. And we have uh, Parker Ainsworth, who is the host of Locked On Cougs. He's going to tell us about Houston defensive back, Gervarius Owens. So Parker, thank you so much for joining me on the Lockdown Giants podcast. Uh, thank you for having me, Patricia. Honestly, I'm excited that Javarius got in the draft. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm, glad, I'm glad to get to talk to you about him because that means good news for Javarius. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And good news also for Houston. So let's let's get into it, Parker. I mean, let's start off with it, you know, just a general overview. What can you tell us about Javarius? So he got to Houston after a stint at a, a small community college in Northern Oklahoma. Um, and he played a bunch of different positions in the back half of the defense in his time at Houston. Um, and so for us, I would say he was versatile, right? Like he, he played some in the box safety, he played some deep safety, he played some corner over the time of he was here. Um, I ha- I have to say that one of the most impressive things to me is he was like, even when he played corner, he really, really enjoyed hitting people <laughs> in a way that, uh, is, it can be frightening at times, but I, I think that that's like, frankly, the tenacity and versatility has got to be like the two big things I'd take away with watching him, uh, and, and projecting the NFL. I, I know that he, because of that first hill, he can kind of be a tweener, and that's why it's a seventh-round pick and not a first-round pick, right? Um, but I, I would say he was versatile for us, and then, like I said, he he really likes to hit people. That, let's back up a little bit. What kind of defensive scheme did they play down in Houston, and, and how, what was his role in that defense? So a lot of 4 2 five. I frankly say a lot in college football with the spread, right? Um and in his earlier days, he would have been uh, more of an in-the-box type of safety, near line of scrimmage, uh, again, because he does like the, the hitting aspect of the game. Um, and, you know, he would be more involved in the run game and more involved in stopping the run and that kind of stuff. And then this season, just with the exodus of a couple corners in the NFL last year, I mean, Marcus Jones, right? Like guys that are making an impact in the NFL, um, they asked him to move out to the outside and play corner his senior season. And he's still like, you know, in run heavy situations, they'd ro- rotate him down close to the box and pull someone else in. Um, but he he was really kind of asked to do that kind of just to help the team out this year. Um, he I could see him being involved schematically at the next level at a couple of different spots. But for Houston in that four two five, um, he had a lot of success in and around the box as a safety. And then on the corner spot, um, he, he did typically have like a lot of one-on-one type situations. He didn't have a whole lot of safety at the top and that kind of stuff in the four, two, five. Um, and, you know, I, I think that's probably why he's going to be an NFL player, right? That's like why a team like that drafts and you want guys and go one-on-one, but I wouldn't have projected that a year ago if you'd have told me he's going to play corner. So it was a nice surprise to say the least. 
And of course the giants could use versatility in the defensive backfield. You know, they like those guys who could play in the slot and who could play down in the box, you know, if they can play deep even better. Now um, what specifically, you know, when, when you look at your various game, where are his strengths and where does he still need some refinement? So like I mentioned, um, he, he loves the contact part of the game. And I think that that is what makes him, uh, I mean, maybe even if it's on special teams, somewhere like that, right. Just a, a very quick, a guy that you just kind of want on your team. Um, he, to me, does a great job of tackling the ball. And I say it like that because I think when I say go for the ball, people assume he's like risky and a gambler <laughs> and that, that is a negative connotation. I think I don't want to give the guy, he, but he tackles the ball really well and forces fumbles, um, and then I would also say something he's really good at is like coming downhill and playing the run um, all kind of ties together, right? All those kinds of attributes, all the same, it's all the same kind of person. Things I think he needs to continue to work on, um, you know, if he's playing more of a deep middle of the field safety, especially at the, at the NFL level, those guys have to have really fluid hips and open up really, really quickly. Um, I, I think he's more of a downhill guy than a backpedaling kind of guy, right? And so I could see needing to work and continue to work on that kind of stuff, moving on to the next level, but. Houston found ways to cover it up with, like I said, um, pulling him close to the box or playing him close to the line of scrimmage or just saying be physical with that wide receiver and press man, right? So, Right. What about his angles? Does he take smart angles, you know, and going for the ball and the ball carrier? Yeah, so I think especially, like I said, moving forward, coming downhill, um, some of his high effort plays you see, if you're looking at like clips of him online or whatever, he um, he had two different uh, that jumped to mind, like, uh, what I call like a touchdown saver where he is the opposite side of the field's corner um, cutting somebody off on what would have been a big, you know, 65, 70 yard touchdown kind of play across the field, but in more short spaces. Um, again, I think he's great at taking angles downhill. It's the opening up the hips and playing backwards. That would be, I would assume he needs to develop more. I don't want to say he can't do it because he's, you know, he's a 22 year old kid, but I, I think that he does have to work on opening up and backpedaling at different angles, probably more than playing downhill at different angles. Now he was a, a four year starter. I believe also a team captain. Am, am I correct with that? Yeah. Uh, team captain last year. Um, and, and frankly, uh, yeah, team captain last year. And frankly, one of the handful of guys that stayed over from the defense from the year before. So uh, kind of a, a veteran in a lot of ways as much you can get in college football too. How are his instincts? I love the way he attacked. And I said this when I was talking about his strengths, the way he attacks the ball. Um, he has a great handle on, when someone's too loose with it, when someone's got like covered or whatever, um, and when to try and go for that. Um, he also, for what it's worth, as a, a corner last season, was the second uh, was second on the team in tackles. I don't know if that's good for us or bad for us as a team, but I think it's good for him. <laughs> um, so I think he's got a good feeling on when to make the move or when to like cut under um, in screen game because you see a lot of screen game in college, right? Um, and so making those kind of plays is important. And uh, as far as his instincts on the deep kind of stuff and, and all those, he had one like generational pick in like the Texas tech game um, where he is back, like he is opening up and running with a guy over the top and just like leaps up with a two inter- interception that like, I think we all saw that it was early in the season this past year. I'm like, Whoa, like something's different with this guy right now. Right. Um, I don't think he makes a play in the years before that. And, I, I don't know if that was just like the maturity and veteran side of him taking over or what, but that was a, a tr- like a tremendous play that just jumps out in my mind as far as like something that was big time for him um, that had to have had a little bit of instincts involved, right? That's not a play everybody can make. couple of knocks on him, according to NFL.com, his scouting report is that he had several potential drops. I'm sorry, several drops of potential interceptions, also a high number of open field tackles, 
was that just, you know, the scheme? Was that a speed issue, a recognition issue? What do, what do you think that's attributed to? Oh, well, drops and interceptions are hard to make excuses for. Um, so I don't, I don't want, like, I think you just continue working your ball skills. Uh, like I said, I think the transition to corner gave him a lot more opportunities to have that too, right? Um, so maybe there's something there. If he plays more corner or plays more deep free or something, I guess more development. Um, the open field tackles, I think Houston put him on an island a lot. Um, and so and transition to corner and then leave him out there on his own, you suddenly like, you know, a guy's got to learn the spot, learn the job on the fly and and is out there on his own. And so I don't want to skip, make too many excuses and say, he doesn't, I mean, he needs to make the plays, but it was new this year. He was playing outside and playing further away from the ball and doing a lot of new things. And so I'm sure that what he would argue too would play some role in that. What about his intangibles? Like, for example, the play strength, um, the, the football IQ. What can you tell us about that? Well, uh, ho- well, I don't know what you think about Dana Holgerson. I think everyone has very like polarizing opinions on Dana, but coach Dana Holgerson loves him. Um, and so I would say that, that speaks like if the coaching staff likes Javarius a lot and speaks very highly of him, I would imagine that's because he's doing those great things in the film room, in the locker room, et cetera. Um, like I said, he was a captain. And I think that that's important to m- mention from his leadership um, because, you know, I, Houston has a great defensive line. Um, only one guy drafted this year. Only one guy was eligible to get, or two guys are eligible to get drafted. But um, so I guess, you know, we'll see more of those guys get drafted in the next couple of years, but great defensive line. And I think the assumption was some of those guys are going to be captains. Um, but Javarius winning one of those captainships, I think, shows that there's a lot of faith and trust in him after being in charge of the defense for so long or being a part of the defense for so long. And then truthfully, um, as far as intangibles go, I, a kid that has worked his way up from Northeastern Oklahoma A&M <laughs> to the NFL draft. I mean, that takes a lot of grit and hard work that, you know, I think is it's worth putting, shining a light on it itself, right? Not everyone from Northeastern Oklahoma A&M gets shot at the NFL. It's not one of those big kind of, kind of blue blood programs. It's a true community college, right? And so, um, or as a community college type of program, I should say. And so I, I think all of those things that have to pretty successful person and um, we'll see how it turns out as an NFL guy, but I think those are all good, tangible, good intangibles to have for a guy. Hey, giant fans looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugars and the calories and the bad stuff. Then you need the best tasting protein bar ever built. You got to try this folks. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, Built Bars and Built Pups are the way to go. They're healthy and they taste amazing. Seriously, you won't even realize that you're eating something healthy for you. That's how good they taste, just like a candy bar, but without all the fat and the carbs and the sugar and the bad stuff. Built Bars and Built Pups are covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. So Stick them in the refrigerator and it's like eating a frozen candy bar. It's so good. And they come in unbelievably delicious flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and cookies and cream, just to name a few. How does Built Bar do it? I don't know, but you know what? Each Built Bar only has on average 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. Amazing, right? And now you don't need to wait any longer for your box to ship from Built.com. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bars online, but pop into your local Walmart or Sam's Club and you can get your specialty flavors just like you could if you go to Built.com. And by the way, if you want to go to Built.com and take advantage of our 15% discount offer, just enter the code LOCKEDON15 at checkout to save 15% off your first order. So you have a choice now as to how quickly you get your Built Bars. You can either go to Sam's Club or Walmart 
Or you can head on over to Built.com to order your customized box. Check them out today, folks. You won't be sorry. And you'll thank me later. What can you tell me about him as, as a person, you know, his personality? I don't know if you've, if you've been in the locker room with him but, or talked to him, but what can you tell me about him? So I want to say like, and maybe this is my own assumptions about DBs. I think the further you get away from the football during the louder you are. And I don't know why that is, but I think like the receivers, the DBs, the safeties, those guys typically have loud games, but Trevarius is not that guy. He's a much more quiet reserve guy. And so I, you know, I, I think that that was kind of what stuck out to me is I think of corners as like, you have to have this mentality. Like, you know, you think about like, you know, sauce Gardner is, is picking off Aaron Rodgers, putting on a cheese head hat, right? Like the guys are celebrating, like you have to have that kind of supreme confidence. You would think, right. Deion Sanders, right. Like whatever. Um, and he isn't that loud boisterous type. And so I, I think that that was, you know, a little bit makes him a little bit different from your average corner. Um, but he was a strong student at University of Houston. Um, I, I actually don't know if he graduated this spring or if he focuses efforts on draft. I probably sh- should know that, but he's a strong student at the University of Houston and like I said, I think that the quiet leadership worked for us here. So I, I hope it works for you all there because that was a really like, it's nice to have those kind of guys in the locker room sometimes. So, I mean, just expanding that to the Houston defense, because, you know, obviously your leaders shape the defense. I mean, did you see that with, with the Gervais? Well, you know, I, I don't mean to put it, you know, like it was all roses here Houston's defense did struggle throughout the season uh, as a defensive unit um you know like I said we graduated a few guys in the NFL the year before and had to replace those that's why Javarius himself playing corner um I will say though that like having a four-year starter out there as Javarius was fairly influential in that uh as, as far as like uh, you wanted a guy out there that was a common voice from the seasons before. Um, and it, it felt like as the year, as the year went on, you know, there was a big SMU game in the middle of the season that gave up, a, you know, 77 points. And it was awful. Right. Um, but I think having guys like that to kind of pick the team back up, uh, he spoke to the, so every, every week, two defensive players, two offensive players speak to the media and he spoke to the media twice in the last month and was just basically like, look, we're trying to, you know, build off of the mistakes that we put on that film. Right. And like those kinds of working forward, I think signify that, you know, um, he's, I think he's the right mentality, has the right mentality to be a pro kind of kid. Um, I know that that's not every seven they're on pick. I mean, it's not every seven they're on pick has all these physical tools or, and whatnot. Um, but I think he's got the mentality to make a roster. And I, I be interested to see how it works out with him in, in campus over that New York, because they, they have other DBs on their roster, right? They just took one. Um, so it may feel like a crowded room, but I, I think he's a kid that you want to have in your room if he can make the cut. What about playing in New York? Because as you know, New York is not an easy market to play in. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that's where I think being quiet, the the more, you know, uh, reserve type may help him. He's not, I, I say this, everyone's a kid, right? So I guess they could all go out and make mistakes, but <laughs> I, I, I don't anticipate him being the kind of guy that has a whole bunch of headlines about being out and about New York City. Um, New York City is a city that's easy to make headlines in. And I, I don't anticipate that out of Javarius. Uh, it certainly would be a... a a transition from what he was like here at Houston. Um, and so I imagine that that helps him out a lot. I also, you know, like I said, I think he was a smart kid while he was here. And so I think that having a good head on the shoulders from that standpoint would help too. You mentioned, did you, I'm sorry, you mentioned that he played special teams down in Houston. Uh, yeah. So in his early, I mean, again, he started on defense as well, but in his early part of his career, when he was uh, starting and rotating in and out with guys like Marcus Jones, he was playing some on the kickoff teams as well. So I, that's obviously something he could, he, could do if he had to hear, because I, I have a feeling that's going to be his ticket onto the roster. 
Oh, and I think that's exactly right. Like every young DB, if you are, even if you're a starting DB, honestly, but if you're a young DB, you need to be first in line, all those drills. I like to, like, you want to be like smoothing those coaches a lot, right? Because that's the first ticket on the bus. Um, but I, I think that the way he plays aggressively downhill will translate well into that NFL level. Now he hadn't played on special teams in Houston since his freshman year, right? Because his freshman year, he was kind of starting and rotating and then also played specials and then became kind of important what we did. And we didn't want to put him on the field for extra, extra risk. Right. But um, he would still be out there for the occasional onside kick kind of stuff when it was important. And I, I have to imagine that the same kind of tenacity he played with on a inside zone play from the safety spot would be very much appreciated somewhere flying down the field on the kickoff. Right. If you had an opportunity to advise Giants defensive backs coach Jerome Henderson as to the best way to use uh, Owens, whether it be in a personnel package or in a particular position or whatnot, define it for me. What would you tell him? Um, so, you know, he's not listed as a giant, right? He's six foot 195. And I think that would have people hesitant to put him on those bigger receivers, but he's just so physical that I wouldn't let that get, if I, if I were trying to scheme him, someone to cover man to man, I wouldn't let the size necessarily deter me um, from putting one, the six, four type guys. Um, he covered Rasheed Rice. Some uh, Rasheed Rice is the SMU wide receiver that just got drafted this, this cycle. Um, he's covered big guys at Texas tech. He, I wouldn't let size intimidate me. And then I would also, frankly, like I said, if I could, find ways to get him in more of a nickel package somewhere close to the line of scrimmage because he's going to help in the run game if you give him a chance, right? That doesn't look at the same kind of sexy vibe in the seven-on-seven kind of atmosphere that a lot of f- football practice can go, but he's going to go hit somebody in the inside run drill if you let him. Yeah, that is a reputation he comes with as being a big, big t- physical hitter. When when he hits you, you feel it. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yeah. and you can feel it a couple of times <laughs> over too. <laughs> for sure, for sure. And then finally, Parker, what's something, you know, if I were doing a human interest angle story on him, what's something that you think might be, you know, worth pursuing with him? Well, one thing that so he is originally from Greenville, Mississippi, and then grows up some in Atlanta, but then goes to high school in a small town in Oklahoma. Um, And then he actually like does a summer at Kansas state before going to Oklahoma A&M or Northeastern Oklahoma A&M. Uh, that's a lot of movement before he got to the university of Houston. And, you know, it just always is kind of tagged in as part of his journey. And, you know, it's weird to be a journeyman by the time you're 18 years old. And so what is that like for, uh, for a kid that is now living in the big apple, right? There's a lot of, a lot of South, a lot of Southern, a lot of, a lot of movement in the South. And then to go up and live in the big apple, I think would change, you know, like what does he bring from that journey with him? Um, because it, it's, it is different, you know, a lot of these kids, especially like in NFL now that go to like high school football factories and stuff like that, like he's not that kid by any stretch. And so what does it look like for a kid like Javarius moving up to the big apple and into the next level? Well, chances are he'll probably live in the Jersey suburbs, which, you know, <laughs> it, Northern Jersey, which is in the shadows of New York, but, uh, you know, maybe as he grows in his career, he'll, he'll eventually, you know, make the this trip across the river, but most of those rookies, they stay close to the stadium because they don't want to venture too far out of, you know, out of the (laughs) the range, which is good. You know, it's not too bad living in Jersey. I live in Jersey. It's not that bad. So. (laughs) Oh, I'm um, familiar with New York city enough. um, But (laughs) I'd imagine that's also a little bit less trouble in in North Jersey than it is in the city itself. (laughs) It depends on what part of the the state you go to. There there are certain parts that I, I don't think I would want to, you know, 
visit if I didn't have to. So <laughs> I won't name any cities because I don't want to offend anybody, but there are some that I'm like, eh, I don't think I want to go there. But anyway, uh, final question for you. Uh, what is something else that we haven't talked about Owens that, you know, giant fans should know about him? Um, ah, interesting. So if I'm looking at Javarius and I'm looking at like getting to know the guy, I mentioned the traveling around and this and that and the other piece. Um, I, I'm looking at a guy that also, uh, honestly, um, in transition NFL that I don't think anyone a year ago would have thought was an NFL football player. And I don't mean that to say that he couldn't be. And obviously they draft him to become one. But a year ago, we're talking about a guy that was a six foot, 180 pound, 185 pound, uh, strong safety, right? <laughs> like, like those guys are not typically strong safeties. And so in transitioning to this, you know, he's put on some good weight. He played a new position and those kind of things like be patient because he like he he really did like just kind of turn into this guy or just turn his body into this guy. Um, he's always hit. He's always played the run. He's always on those things. But turning himself into a new position, all that, I think, takes a lot of work and it it might be a process with him. And I think that's just kind of one of those things that you could be rewarding in 18 months or two years. Right. Yeah, definitely. Listen, I want to thank you for coming on and giving us uh, some background about your various Owens. Again, he is uh, the Giants seventh round pick, the second of their two seventh round picks um, out of Houston. Folks, you can uh, you can uh, catch Parker on the Locked on Cougs podcast as part of our college network. So please support our college uh, hosts. They do such a great job and they don't just talk about football. They talk about all the college sports within their school and they, they're really, you know, fun to listen to. I mean, they're the people you want to go to, whether it's baseball, hockey, whatever, whatever sport it is, they got you covered. So Parker, I want to thank you for coming on giant fans. Stay tuned. We've got one more segment to do and that's coming up right after this. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked on Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and I hope you enjoyed the interview with Parker Ainsworth. That concludes our uh, reaching out to the college hosts about the Giants draft picks. And I uh, hope you found the interviews that we ran over the last week and a half or so very useful. So moving forward on the Locked on Giants podcast, we're going to continue to break things down for you, various topics and whatnot. Um, Next Thursday, the Giants have media access to the OTAs. So that's going to obviously be on the schedule. I'll be at the OTA and report back on what I see and what I can. Um, So that's on tap. Also, um, still no word yet on a live show. I haven't heard back from Tana or, do- or Dog, but I'm on that. Trust me, I'm, I'm working to, to put something together on that. And of course, I also want to do a Q&A, a, a, just a total mailbag show with all you guys, because, you know, I've been doing little piece, bits and pieces here and there. And, you know, it's great, but I, I just want to devote an entire show to you guys and gals. So if you have questions, send them in to me. Locked on Giants podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet them at Patricia underscore trainer, T-R-A-I-N-A with the hashtag AskPTrain. Um, one other housekeeping note before I get into uh, this next segment here. Going to have an announcement probably by next week. Um, I'm really excited about this announcement. It's a new uh, feature that I'm going to be adding as part of my coverage with Locked On Giants. And um, I know some of you have asked me for this particular uh, feature 
and we're finally going to be able to bring it to you. So that is coming up at, at some point, uh, probably next week, I'll break that out for you. So uh, can't wait to share that piece of news with you. I get so excited when I have these, these new features and stuff that I know um, you guys asked for and stuff that I look forward to, to bringing because, uh, you know, anything that connects me more to you guys and gals, you know, is, is important to me. So anyway, speaking of connecting, let's talk. Uh, we have a few questions here. We have uh, three questions that I want to answer on this segment to close out the show. The first question comes from Jim T. And he asks, who do you think the breakout candidate on the Giants is? Jim, I'm going to give you, uh, even though I know a breakout candidate should already have been on the roster. I think a guy who I'm looking towards to be a breakout candidate for this team is going to be receiver Jalen Hyatt. As we know, as of right now, the Giants don't really have a number one receiver. I think Hyatt can push to be that guy. I think Hyatt, um, you know, they'll probably start him off in a limited role, but he'll he'll probably work his way up the chain, so to speak. That's the guy I'm I'm looking at for a breakout season. Um, just a gut feeling. Now, um, as I go through OTAs and the mini camps and training camp, maybe I'd change my mind on that, but just something about Jalen Hyatt's game. You know, I've been going back, looking at film, um, reading scouting reports, just reviewing my notes on what, what I, you know, took what little I was able to get from the rookie mini camp. And there's just something about his game that just, I don't know, just draws me to it. And makes me think that he's going to be a breakout candidate for this team this year. So we'll see if I'm right. Certainly the Giants can use him uh, if, if he is the breakout candidate for them. All right. Um, the next question we get comes from Mike C. Who asks, who is your choice for the biggest underrater guy on this roster? This one was a tough one. But after thinking it through. The biggest underrated guy on or under the radar guy, under the radar guy on this roster, I think, a Sean Robinson. The Giants really haven't had a big body guy that, that that can eat blocks, double team blocks in the middle of their defense. You know, Dexter Lawrence can do it, but after Dexter, they haven't really had it. You know, they tried it with Danny Shelton, they tried it with Justin Ellis. They haven't really had it. And just, I don't know, something about Ashawn Robinson, I just think it's going to make such a difference, you know, now that they have that depth in the middle there. And just him being a space eater and a plugger, it's just going to make such a difference for that defense. And um, that's what I see as being the, the, the uh, you know, thing to keep an eye on. So if I had to pick a guy who I think is flying under the radar, even though, you know, Ashawn Robinson has been around a while, um, he would be my choice. So thanks for the question. And then finally, we have a sort of non-football questions, kind of a fun question. I like to get these fun questions every once in a while uh, because I am so much more about football. Um, this one came from Mandy Z. And Mandy said, if you could not cover pro football, what sport would you like to cover? That's an easy one for me, Mandy. 
I'd want to cover hockey. I, I'm a big hockey fan. I don't get to follow hockey as much in season. Um, so I would love to cover hockey. I, I just, something about the game. I've always liked the game. You know, I'm, I'm not much of a basketball fan, but hockey, I absolutely love. And it's funny because growing up, I always initially wanted to be a baseball reporter. And that, I, I don't know what snapped me out of it. I think it was maybe the strikes that they had back in the eighties. Um, but I, gravitated away from baseball. I still am a baseball fan, but probably not as much as I am a hockey fan. I just find hockey to be very, very enjoyable. And um, let's see, there's a second part of your your uh, question here. You ask, um, if you couldn't cover sports, what would you want to cover? That one's easy too. I probably would want to cover music, you know, bands and musical acts and stuff like that, because I'm a music fan. Um, I make no I make no attempts to hide that. I'm a big music fan. Um, I like classic rock um, because I grew up in the 70s. So I remember all the the great bands of the 70s going into the 80s and whatnot. And um, I can't say I studied music, but I I remember a lot of those songs. I know a lot of those songs by heart. Um, I play some of those songs on my guitar. And uh, yeah, I, I would just... Maybe if, if I couldn't do sports, I'd want to do music. I'd want to cover, you know, concerts and bands and stuff like that, because I like that stuff. So, um, you know, I believe that if you're going to do something in life, um, try and align it with something you enjoy doing. So that's something I, I like doing. But make no mistake, Mandy, I love doing football. I hope to do football for many more years until I retire, whenever that might be. And uh, I have no intention of going anywhere. Um, as far as, you know, covering the Giants goes. So that's uh, that's my response there. So, all right, everybody, that's going to do it for us here on the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, thank you so much for tuning in. As always, make sure you keep it here. Um, I'll keep you posted over on YouTube as soon as I find out when we're doing a live show. Get your questions into me if you want to do a full mailbag. Otherwise, I'll just keep planning new shows for you and Hope you will tune in. So until next time, thank you so much for making us your first listen of the day or if watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. Special shout out to my everydayers and a big hello to all my new people who have tuned in. We will see you tomorrow, Giant fans.